Chapter One, Part One of the Markets of Paris. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Céline Major. The Markets of Paris by Emile Zola. Chapter One, Part One despair and hunger through the profound silence and loneliness of the deserted avenue the wagons of the market gardeners rolled slowly toward paris the measured rhythm of their wheels re-echoed from the facades of the sleeping houses on either side behind the confused outlines of their sheltering trees a cart loaded with cabbages and another with peas at the pont de neuilly joined eight more piled with carrots and turnips coming down from nanterre the horses moved on slowly by themselves with heads well down the drivers slept under the striped covering holding the reins lightly in their hands a gas-jet would flash down occasionally on the shining nails of a stout shoe or the blue sleeve of a blouse light up the red carrots and white turnips and bring out the vivid green of the peas and the cabbages from all the roads came the dull continuous sound of wheels lulling the black town to a deeper sleep as they bore onward through the silence and darkness this vast supply of food balthazar the horse belonging to madame francois a stout heavy animal was at the head of the line he walked on at a steady pace though half asleep gently moving his ears when all at once at the head of la rue de longchamp he started and stood still firmly planted on his four feet the other animals did the same and the whole line came to a halt amidst the oaths of the awakened wagoners madame francois leaning against a board among her vegetables looked out but saw nothing for the scanty light of the small lantern fell only on balthazar's shining flanks well mother why don't you get on called out one of the men getting upon his knees among the turnips it is only some drunken man she leaned out of her wagon and saw on the right almost under the feet of the horse a black mass lying across the road i don't propose to drive over any one she said as she clambered over the wheel it was a man lying face downwards in the dust he seemed to be of a most extraordinary length as thin as a withered branch it was a miracle that balthazar had not broken him in two with one blow of his foot madame francois thought the man dead she knelt down by his side took his hand and felt that it was warm poor fellow she said gently but the wagoners were growing impatient and the one who had previously spoken now said in his thick voice give him a push mother he is pretty full that's all the trouble roll him over into the gutter the man opened his eyes he looked at madame francois in a wild sort of way but did not move she too thought him drunk you must not lie there she said you will be run over where are you going i do not know he replied in a low voice then he made an effort and added i was going into the city i fell and i do not know she saw him more distinctly now he was indeed most deplorable in appearance with his black and threadbare coat and pantaloons clinging closely to his emaciated form his cap also of black cloth pulled down over his brows showed two bright brown eyes of singular sweetness in a weary anxious face madame francois thought him too thin to be a drinking man and where were you going after you get into paris she asked he did not instantly reply he was evidently annoyed at this interrogatory 
he hesitated and then said slowly i was going to the hall he struggled to his feet with infinite difficulty and made an effort to continue his way the market woman saw him stagger and grasped the side of the wagon you are tired yes very tired he replied then she adopted a rough authoritative tone and said get into the wagon at once you are making us all lose our time i am going to the hall and i will take you with my vegetables and as he refused she lifted him with her stout strong arms and threw him among her turnips and carrots don't be a fool my good man don't i tell you that i am going to the hall go to sleep and i will wake you when we get there she climbed to her seat shook her reins a little as she gathered them up and balthazar calmly resumed his slow march the other wagons following the reverberations began anew and drivers fell asleep once more the one who had spoken stretched himself out and muttered i wonder if we are to pick up all the drunken men if that is your idea mother you will have enough to do the wagons rolled on the horses going as they pleased the man whom madame francois had rescued lay at full length among the vegetables half covered by the spreading carrot tops he clutched the side of the wagon with weak loose fingers lest he should be thrown out by a sudden jolt and looked out at the two interminable lines of gaslights which afar off melted into other lights i am from nanterre i am called madame francois said the market woman after a long silence since my old man died i go myself every morning to the halle tis hard work but i must grin and bear it i suppose and you my name is florent and i come from a great distance answered the unknown with some hesitation i beg your pardon but i am so very tired that it hurts me to speak he was evidently determined not to talk and she said no more but let the lines fall a little on balthazar's back as the animal knew every step of the way florent with his eyes riveted on the lights of paris thought of the history he hoped to conceal he had escaped from cayenne where he had been sent after these dark december days he had wandered for two years in guiana eager to return to his native land but afraid of the imperial police could it be that at last he saw the dear city for which he had so long pined he would hide himself there and live peaceably the police would have no reason to suspect him to them he was as good as dead he thought of his arrival at havre with fifteen francs tied up in the corner of his handkerchief at rouen he left the railroad as he had but thirty sous remaining and at vernon bought some bread with his last two sous after that he could remember nothing he thought he must have slept several hours in a ditch a gendarme had asked for his papers he remembered all this in a vague sort of way his head was dizzy for he had come from vernon without a mouthful clutching at times at the leaves of the hedges and chewing them in despair but he walked on in spite of cramps which nearly cut him in two drawn on by that image of paris waiting for him behind the distant horizon when he reached courbevoie the night was very dark paris like a streak of light falling athwart the blackness appeared to him severe and retreating as he crossed the pont de neuilly he leaned over the parapet and saw the seine rolling below in inky blackness between the dark banks from that point his progress was upward the avenue seemed absolutely endless to him the hundred of leagues he had toiled over became as nothing it was this last part of the road which drove him to desperation never would he reach that summit crowned by those lights 
the avenue with its tall trees and lower houses its grey pavement streaked with shadows the dark gaps made by the cross streets the silence and the blackness the yellow flaming gaslights at regular distances between the only suggestion of life weighed him down florent could not go on the avenue lengthened as he walked and paris was still farther off it seemed to him that the very gaslights were dancing to and fro he tottered and fell an inert mass on the sidewalk and now he was lying on this soft fresh verdure he raised his head a little to see a wider extent of the luminous mist that rose above the distant roofs he was going on without any exertion of his own and his only pain now arose from the pangs of hunger which had again awakened within him and were gnawing like wild animals the strong and penetrating odour of the carrots troubled him he turned over on his face and pressed his stomach against those piles of food hoping to still his cravings and behind were nine more huge wagons with their mountains of cabbages and peas their piles of artichokes and lettuce celery and leeks he wondered if they would fall upon him and stifle him with their abundance while he lay dying of hunger there was a sudden stop a great noise of voices they had reached the barrier and the custom-house people were examining the wagons florent entered paris among the carrots sound asleep hallo my good man cried madame francois and as he did not move she reached over and shook him he struggled up he was no longer hungry he was dizzy and faint the woman made him get down and then said you will help me unload won't you he helped her but a stout man with a cane and felt hat with a metal badge on his left breast became angry and knocked his cane against the pavement come come make haste that will never do you have four maitres haven't you he handed a paper to madame francois who drew from a linen bag the necessary sou and the man ordered the wagon to move on a little and then turned his grumbling to the next the market-woman took balthazar by the bridle and pushed him back until the wheels ran up to the sidewalk she proceeded to mark her four maitres on the pavement with small bundles of straw then lifted the board at the back and begged florent to hand her out the vegetables bunch by bunch she arranged them methodically and with marvellous deftness so that the turnip carrot and beet tops framed her little square with a mass of verdure and the whole looked in the shadow like a rich carpet when florent handed her a huge bundle of parsley the last thing in the wagon she asked him yet one other service would you be so kind as to watch my merchandise while i put up my horse i have only two steps to go just round the corner to the compadre in la rue montorgueil he assured her that she might make her mind easy he had as lief stay there as not until her return the fact was that he preferred to stay still for hunger began to gnaw at his vitals the moment he moved he sat down and leaned against a pile of cabbages telling her she might be as long as she pleased his head was dizzy and he did not feel quite certain where he was as soon as september comes the early morning is dark and lanterns were moving about held in invisible hands he was at the end of a wide street with which he was perfectly unfamiliar ten steps away was all thick darkness and he could see no farther than the merchandise over which he was keeping guard confused grey masses occupied the centre of the street and he heard the sound of cattle moving and breathing loud a quiet imperative call the fall of a piece of wood on an iron chain on the stone pavement 
the dull thud of a wagon backed up against the curbstone filled the air with vague suggestions of a formidable awakening near at hand an awakening with which all this darkness already shivered florent turning his head saw on the other side of the pile of cabbages a man sound asleep with his head on a basket of prunes nearer still was a lad of twelve curled up between two piles of chicory but he fixed his eyes in dull surprise on two gigantic covered sheds on either side the street whose roofs seemed to expand as he gazed his mind slightly wandered and he began to dream of an endless palace light and airy brilliantly illuminated he saw the slender pillars and the overhanging roof he tried to count the succession of halls crowded with people he turned his head aside restless and uneasy and suddenly beheld the illuminated clock-face of saint eustache and the grey mass of the church he was excessively astonished at finding himself in this locality madame francois now appeared she was disputing with a man who carried a sack on his shoulders and wished to buy her carrots at one sou a bunch but there is no sense in it lacaille you will sell them again for four or five sous to the parisians you know that as well as i do you can have them for two sous if you say so and as the man went away she said that is really too much he won't find any carrots at a sou but he is tipsy there is no use in talking about him he will be back soon enough too she was speaking to florent and then she took a seat by his side tell me she said if you have been a long time away from paris for if you have this market is new to you the halles have been built not more than five years all this building on your right is devoted to flowers and fruits next comes the fish and the poultry and beyond the vegetables cheese butter etc there are six buildings on this side of the street and on the other four tripe and meat and all that sort of thing it is an enormous place and hideously cold in winter they say that there are two more divisions to be built and a number of houses to be torn down all the way from the wheat market you know where that is no answered florent i am quite a stranger but what is the name of this wide street just before us it is a new street la rue du pont neuf which runs from the seine there is la rue montmartre and there is la rue montorgueil she rose as she spoke seeing a woman leaning over her turnips good morning mother chantemesse she said in a friendly way florent looked at la rue montorgueil it was there that he had been arrested by armed police on the night of the fourth of december he was walking along the street about two o'clock feeling a certain contempt for all these soldiers that the elysee had sent forth when all at once these soldiers swept the streets with the discharge of musketry he himself fell at the corner of la rue vivienne he knew no more the crowd trampled upon him and the noise was deafening when all was again silent he tried to rise to his feet again the body of a young girl lay across him she wore a rose-coloured hat and her shawl had slipped off showing a muslin waist all tucks and inserting two musket balls had gone through her throat and when he lifted the poor thing his hands were drenched with blood then he rushed away mad with horror and wandered until night seeing nothing but this young girl with her pale face and her great blue eyes wide open in which he read a great surprise surprise at death coming to her so suddenly he was very timid and although thirty rarely looked into a woman's face 
and yet this one would haunt him all the rest of his life that evening without knowing how he got there he found himself at a wine-shop in the rue montorgueil the men were all talking of erecting some barricades he went with them and assisted them in tearing up the paving-stones and then seated himself for he was weary with the excitement of the day he had not even a knife in his belt and his head was bare he bade his friends to tell him if the soldiers came as he was ready to do his share of fighting about eleven o'clock he fell asleep but his dreams were haunted by those blue eyes and the two round holes in that white throat when he awoke he was in the grasp of four armed men his friends had taken flight the police wished to strangle him at once when they saw that he had blood on his hands it was the blood of the blue-eyed girl florent absorbed in these recollections watched the illuminated dial in the tower of saint eustache but he saw neither figures nor hands it was nearly four o'clock the halle was not yet well astir madame chantemesse still bargained with madame francois over the price of the turnips and florent recalled what he had seen in that very spot five dead bodies had lain there five poor fellows who had been taken at a barricade in la rue Grenetta. he had not been shot down at the same time and place merely because the men who took him prisoner had swords instead of guns he was taken to a station near by where his description was filed hands covered with blood when arrested very dangerous he was dragged from station to station at each the same words were written down he was handcuffed and treated as if he were a madman at one place some tipsy soldiers wished to shoot him but fortunately orders came that all prisoners should be carried before the prefect the next day he was placed in a casemate of the fort de bicetre that day he suffered from hunger for the first time in his life and eagerly snatched the mouthfuls of food which were thrown into him as to a wild beast when he appeared before the judge without any testimony in his favour or counsel to defend him he was accused of belonging to a secret society and when he swore that this was not true the judge with a portentous frown drew out the ominous bit of paper hands covered with blood when arrested very dangerous this was enough he was tried and condemned at the end of six weeks in january a jailer came to him in the middle of the night and took him down to a courtyard where there were at least four hundred other prisoners and in another hour the first detachment of these were sent into exile wearing handcuffs and marching between two files of soldiers with loaded guns they crossed the pont d'austerlitz following the line of the boulevards and reached the havre station it was a gay and festive night of the carnival the windows of all the restaurants on the boulevard were blazing with lights and near la rue vivienne just where the dead girl had lain florent saw some masked women in a carriage who were much disgusted at being detained by all these forçats who would never get past from paris to havre the prisoners had not a mouthful of bread nor a drop of water no rations had been distributed before they started they were forgotten they had nothing to eat for thirty-six hours not until they were on board the frigate canada as he looked back he could not remember that he had had enough to eat once since then he was nothing but skin and bone and now he returned to paris to find her rolling in abundance he had come back to her borne upon a cart heaped high with vegetables that carnival night on which he had left paris had apparently lasted until now 
for seven long years and it seemed to him that all the glitter and prodigality of that night as he remembered it had blossomed out into this enormous market mother chantemesse decided to buy twelve bunches of turnips she held them in her apron and still stood talking when she at last departed madame francois went back and took a seat by florent saying the poor old woman is over seventy i was a child when she bought turnips of my father and she has not a relative in the world nor a soul to do a thing for her except a girl she has picked up somewhere the old woman gets along somehow though and even makes her forty sous per day but dear me i wonder how she can stay all the time in these paris streets they would kill me and as florent did not speak she said you have relations here i suppose he did not seem to hear her he was uneasy and suspicious his head was full of stories of police agents and detectives watching at all the corners of the streets of women selling the secrets they tore from certain poor devils he looked at madame Francoise's kindly face framed in a black and yellow handkerchief tied under her chin she was apparently about thirty-five rather large and masculine but handsome from her abundant health and out-of-doors life softened by the womanly tenderness which spoke from out her black eyes she went on not in the least offended by the silence of her companion i have a nephew in paris but he has turned out badly i suppose your parents will be surprised to see you ah it is a nice thing to go home when one is sure of a welcome is it not she did not take her eyes from him as she spoke she was compassionating his excessive thinness but detecting a gentleman under his shabby clothing she did not dare to offer him the piece of silver which was burning her hand at last she said timidly if in the meantime you should happen to want anything but he refused with uneasy pride he said he had all he needed and that he knew where to go she seemed quite pleased and said over and over again as if to reassure herself well then you have only to wait for daylight a great bell above florent's head now began to ring with a slow and regular sound carts were rolling up the shouts of the drivers and the snapping of their whips the grinding of the gravel beneath the wheels and the feet of the animals momentarily increased the wagons could now advance only a rod or two at a time so great was the crowd all along la rue du pont neuf the carts stood against the sidewalk and were unloading the horses with their heads close together florent took a special interest in an enormous load of cabbages on which shone a gas light bringing out the green of the large leaves looking like wrinkled velvet a little peasant girl of sixteen wearing a blue jacket and a close-fitting cap stood upright in the cart among the cabbages and threw them one by one to some person standing in the shadow below the girl was sometimes almost hidden among the verdure then her pretty rosy face peeped out again she laughed and the cabbages recommenced their flight between the gaslight and florent he counted them mechanically and was sorry when the cart was empty the vegetables were so arranged on the pavement that the vendors could circulate among them the lights from the glancing lantern shone on a bundle of artichokes on the delicate green of lettuce the deep orange of the carrots and the ivory whiteness of turnips all these brilliant colors were repeated again and again until the whole ground was like a delicious mosaic the crowd was rapidly increasing customers were moving in every direction a loud voice called nice chicory fresh chicory 
the proprietors of the vegetable stalls women with their white caps and fichus knotted loosely and with their skirts pinned up carefully were making their purchases which porters were carrying to the stalls and there was much noisy disputing over a sou florent was infinitely astonished at the calmness of these hale countrywomen with their sunburned faces and madras handkerchiefs in the presence of these voluble parisians behind him was the fruit market rows of low shallow baskets stood covered with cloth or straw while an odour of overripe plums filled the air a low sweet voice compelled him to look around he saw a charmingly pretty woman small and dark bargaining with a man well then marcel will you sell them for a hundred sous the man made no reply and the young woman waited fully five minutes when she said a hundred sous for this basket and four francs for the other make nine that i owe you another silence what then am i to give you ten francs just as i told you and jules what have you done with him la Sariette? the woman laughed and said as she showed a handful of money bless your heart jules is asleep he vows that men were not made to work she paid him and took the two baskets into the fruit market which had just opened through its covered streets a crowd was constantly passing while at the point saint eustache the bakers and proprietors of other small shops were just taking down their shutters and their windows lighted by gas made little red spots among the grey houses laurent looked to the left way down la rue montorgueil and saw the glossy brown loaves in the window and fancied that he could even smell them it was now half-past four all this time madame francois was getting rid of her merchandise and had nothing left but some bunches of carrots when lacaille appeared again with his sack will you take a sou for them now he asked i was sure you would be back answered the market-woman quietly you can have all that are left only seventeen bunches that makes seventeen sous no thirty-four they finally agreed on twenty-five as madame francois was in a hurry to get away and lacaille went off quite triumphant with his carrots in his sack old miser she said to flora he always waits until the last sound of the bell to buy his four sous worth of stuff ah these parisians they bargain their eyes out for two liards and then go and drink up every sou they own at the first wine-shop when madame francois spoke of paris she was full of irony and contempt she seemed to regard it as a most contemptible as well as ridiculous city in which she would not consent to spend a night and now she said with a sigh of relief as she again seated herself by florent now i can go florent looked away for he had committed a theft he had picked up a carrot and held it concealed in his hand the parsley and celery emitted such fragrance that his hunger became unendurable i am going away repeated madame francois she was interested in this stranger and was certain that he was suffering she made him new proffers of assistance but he refused them all with a certain sharpness in his voice he rose to his feet to prove that he was quite able to go on his way and as she turned away her head he put a piece of the carrot in his mouth he held it there a moment as she looked him once more in the face with several new questions he nodded and ate the carrot slowly End of chapter one part one